Hey, Charles McFall here, as you know. And this show is all about asking me the questions and hearing the crazy stories of my life and the views that I have and why I am indeed the Rock God of Podcasting. We've got another question. Mike, my ever awesome producer, you are the, the cool version of Alfred to my Batman. Uh, and there are many cool versions of Alfred, so not saying he's a bad version, but there's, yeah, you got it. What's, what is the question for today, Mike? Charles, you've been at the podcasting game for quite a few years now, well over a decade, I think, and plenty of success in that arena. Now, how do you know when you're achieving that success and not just grinding away with no results? <laughs> you know, it, it's it's tough, man. It, it's it's not always easy. You have to be aware of where you are and you have to know what your definition of success is, because by a true definition, one true definition of success. I'm not, I don't feel that very successful. I don't have thousands of downloads per episode. I'm not one of the best known names in the listening world of podcasting. I'm actually fairly, I'm actually, I, I well, okay, this whole show is about ego. So I'm actually really well known in the, the private, the behind the scenes circles of, of podcasting. Uh, there are definitely areas that people don't know me, but in more cases than not, at least somebody knows my influence or my work somewhere in in the behind the scenes of podcasting. But success in that form still is coming. And uh, my actually, here's the crazy thing: I'm actually spiritually, metaphysically, energetically five steps away from being a full time professional podcaster, which has always been the dream. I've spent over eleven years working at this direction. But the question is, how do you know you're being successful? How do you know you're you're doing what you're supposed to, as opposed to just grinding? Well, you have to grind first. I mean that that's that's the bottom line. But yet, it's all about awareness. You have to be self aware. You have to focus on what you're doing. So I started my whole journey off with being a musician. Music still really, really, really moves me. It really touches me. I, I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know exactly why. And I wish I had the voices that I love to hear. There's a different range of voices, some deeper, some higher, but I, I'd love to have that talent of just breaking out in song that even some of my friends have. That is just amazing. I'd love to have a better skill of playing an instrument. I, I can definitely do percussion. Uh, it came out recently on one of my other shows. I've, I didn't realize I hadn't mentioned that I was actually in an orchestra at one point. I've played drums for bands before, played guitar, been a lead singer. And it's never quite worked out for me, but for good, oh man, five to eight years, I actively pursued music as a career. And when I say actively pursued, I practiced, I tried to build bands, I did the Hollywood version of pursuing it. And I know that even better now after having some really amazing friends who do some great music and are really about to, at this point in, in life, they're they're about to break through to the the next level of 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 celebrity and awareness of who they are and the music they do. And seeing how much they work at it and how truly different it is you know you, you see a person who is a babysitter and they're good with kids and they're a good teacher then you see a parent who is who's a good parent not just any parent but a parent who's a good parent and you see the difference and that's what it was for me is I always attracted the wrong people and, and did the stupidest stuff and 
I, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain all that, but I grind. I just spun my wheels. I just kept at it and kept at it with l- literally no success. None. You know, my only closest thing to success in music is I wrote two songs that even now I feel like are really good songs and I'm waiting for the right time to give them or sell them to the right person, the right artist, and have them do work it up. And I was able to, in fact, the friend I was referencing, his name is Kevin Kershaw he plays guitar for a new band he was with the beginning at last and that band's kind of falling apart but his they made a lot of great progress in the time that they were together and he he and and the lead singer there are moving on with their own stuff he uh, wrote some music with me for a couple of songs i did and we were able just to pull together a really cool recording of it and that's the closest to successes i've gotten never booked any gigs never had a band for longer than three months because it just wouldn't hold together yeah, nothing came out of that as other than lessons learned and awareness. So then I got into podcasting and very much realized it was very similar. You know, very quickly rather, we realized it was very similar in that I want to use my voice to touch the world. And while I am okay singer, you know, I can do, I can hold a tune and I'm okay. I can entertain and I'm an okay guitarist. I call myself a church guitarist because I could play a lot of open major chords and I could play pretty much every praise song that ever came out in the 90s because there were all three chords and variations thereof. You know, I can do that. I can play the, I adequately play the drums, uh, again, for a church group or something, nothing real. And if you're offended by that, you're listening to the wrong fucking show. <laughs> so uh, I am not, not, you know, I, I've grown way past knocking myself. I just understand the limitations. And if I really, really worked at it, I could get there, sure. But that drive to work at it's not there. Whereas the drive to podcast, once I sat down and started talking to a wall, that's what I did. Actually, I started doing segments for another show and worked with them for a while. It just, with all their encouragement, started to show that went nowhere. Nowhere. I mean, it was a horrible show called Pulling My Pod. It was horrible in the sense of I didn't know anything about recording. And you're talking about over 11 years ago where recording software was different, computers were different, microphones were different. Everything was different. It just, I didn't have any concept of, of recording techniques and how to manage sound. And I didn't have any concept of developing content really well. I just did everything like I do. Uh, my friend Ricky calls me the bumblebee. I fly even though I don't know I can fly or I'm not supposed to be able to fly. I think the bumblebee is something about aerodynamics. And I don't know. The bumblebee is supposedly not supposed to be able to fly. And I, I call shit on that. But, you know, I'll take it, whatever. I do things because most people go, Oh, how, or show me, or why, and, and I can't, and I go, sure, let me see what I can do. I lost my train of thought, so I was talking about bumblebees, and let's see, do-do-do-do. anyway, oh, recording early days, so pulling my pod, it, it was just yet again the same thing I was doing with music, it was trying to recreate what I liked in other things, instead of doing my own version of what I liked in other things, and I ground, and I ground, and I spun. So let's fast forward a bit, because this could, I mean, 11 years of podcasting, there's lots of stories there. At one point, I abandoned music. You know, it came to a head where everything fell apart. I left my first two shows, which was Pulling My Pod, and what I believe were the two shows I did at the time, Pulling My Pod, was Morning Zoo Crew, How Wrong Can We Be? And I tried, uh, my brother-in-law was very, very funny. He's still kind of funny, but at the time, he was very funny and and we were trying to do this together and it, it, it was what it was. It, it was semi-successful, but only in the produ- producing, you know, seeing that I had a natural skill for production 
and seeing how to make a better picture of things and, and that that's where it was somewhat successful. But as far as grabbing an audience, it didn't really do anything. What I believe was a roundtable discussion with myself and a very openly gay guy in New England. So I, I say it that way. And because at the time I was still religious, I was still in the church, I was still uh, very much that persona of a manly man. And not that I'm obviously not now, I'm doing a show called Rock Got a Podcasting, but it was a little different there. It's more brutal, brute, not brutal, but more bro and more brutal. I don't know, whatever. It was different. So we could talk to each other. That was the biggest thing. I would talk to anybody, I would be open for discussion. Whether I thought what you did or what you said was incorrect or had an argument, we would discuss it. And he was the same way. His name was Kenty. And we just came at topics totally differently. But it made for a great show that way. And then we, we built it into a roundtable where we invited people on. We did themes and, and, and those kind of things where, like, what is art? And we said, what is art? Colon TV. What is art? Colon movies. And we had different people just somehow, some way, I learned another lesson in life about attracting people. And I had people who were on Wife Swap. You know, I just so happened to have connections. I didn't know they were on Wife Swap. So when I started reaching out to my base of people that I knew, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can come talk about TV. I was on this TV show and, and you know, talked about music. And I got a hold of people in the early days who went on to be bigger names for a while. Uh, who just were nobodies in. And that was the thing. We were all nobodies. And we all liked to talk to each other. Blah, 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 blah. So I did that. Did what I believe. Left both of those shows. At the same time, when my band fell apart for the final time, just crisis of life. Everything fell apart. Couldn't pay my bills. And, I, man, I was... You got to talk about the pinnacle of grinding, the pinnacle of spinning your wheels. It was hopeless. I had to file bankruptcy. Because, among other things, I'd bought a $17,000 big Ford two-door or four-door truck that I didn't need because, for some reason, I thought that I had to have a big truck that I couldn't afford. Uh, I was holding down a job that only paid me, as a paramedic, it only paid me 10 something an hour, and I couldn't feed my family on that. And I had just had my first kid. And it was just, I was making dumb decisions. So it's a story, side story here. Dumb decisions, right? I was trying to get a band together. So you'd think you would just stick with people who actually know what they're doing. No, when I found out somebody had played bass in a while, but they didn't really do any more. Oh, would you, you want to play with me? Yeah, sure. But I don't have a guitar or anything. So I went out with no money, okay? I still went out and bought them. A, or bought me, you know, for them to use, a bass guitar, right? And my wife's like, what the hell are you doing? Didn't talk to her, by the way. Did I, did I fail to mention that? I think I failed to mention that. Didn't run it by her. Didn't tell her. Just kind of got on eBay and found one and, and found the DM, bought it, and didn't really have the money for it. And it was, God damn, man, it was stupid as shit. So I was just always doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. Because quite seriously, I mean, if I were coaching myself now, I would sit down and talk about all kind of different things to look at and focus and, and attraction and blah, blah, blah. But everything fell apart right then. My finances fell apart. My band fell apart. I got rid of both the podcasts that I was doing. It just kind of went dormant for a little while. But inside of me, there was a need for another show. At that time, I went ahead and left medicine or left paramedic medicine. Oh, I had also gotten school debt for a good idea that I thought I had where I would 
go to school for IT works. I know how to, I knew at the time how to build computers. And I was really into that and didn't ask my wife then either. Just kind of applied to school, took the debt and went ahead and started it. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> There's a theme in the early part of my marriage of what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> it's just everything fell apart then. You know, when my first son was born, I finished up school and we we slowly but surely moved towards bankruptcy and I realized I had to get out of that area and I I changed to a job that was at a firehouse that was less than a mile from my house so I could walk to work and that actually helped for a while with bankruptcy you know I'd get in, gotten rid of the big expenses I had had some medical surgeries before that so those were big you know stones around my neck get rid of all that stuff quote unquote started over which I really didn't because I stayed in the, and honestly, when I say being a paramedic is a dumb job, it's the same dumb job because it doesn't pay. And to be successful as a paramedic, you either had to do what I didn't want to do, which was go to a big city that works you, I wouldn't say to death. I mean, there's plenty of good people who work for 20, 30 years and retire and move up, but that was not my heart. I didn't want to be the boss there. I didn't want to move up the chain. I didn't want to be a firefighter. So I had no desire to go through all those steps, the things that would actually make you successful in that field. So I was stuck with the stupid job of, hey, I'm going to sit around and work on this podcasting thing and play my video games you know, while I'm at the fire station and wait for a call and get paid 10 bucks an hour. So I didn't really start over fresh. Shortly after that, uh, well, 18 months after my son was born, my daughter is born. And when I left, it wasn't maternity leave because obviously I'm not the mother. But when I left to go to take my family leave to go be with my wife for as long as I could after the baby was born, uh, I just I was unhappy. I knew we weren't going to make ends meet and adding another kid. It was like, oh, what am I what am I going to do here? I had to make a change. And I finally gave up one of my sacred cows, which was I hate offices. I hate suit and ties. I had a lot of these preconceived notions of what was going to happen. And I gave all that up, the preconceived notions, and said, I've got to get a job that pays. And I figured out how much money I needed. I spent 10 years as a paramedic, never broke $35,000 a year. Could not break that mark. Could not pass it. No matter how many new jobs I got, no matter how many captain leadership spots I got, it didn't matter. I could not get past making $35,000 a year as my ceiling. That sucks. What <laughs> That does. That really sucks. So when my daughter came, I was like, I'm going to change everything up. And I think I'd done some podcasting up to there, but I had stopped. Yeah. So the year of, of bankruptcy with my son, I stopped podcasting. I stopped doing music. All I did was try to make ends meet. And then my daughter was born. I went and got a new job and it was in an office. And yeah, there were office politics to deal with and there were things for me to get adjusted to. And that's a whole nother story about how I was still me instead of a corporate environment and me being loud, rock out of podcasting, everything guy. And I become a legend everywhere I go, and especially in those kind of things. And I became a legend very quickly there about mouthing off and, and do, but not not the legend of oh you don't want to work with this guy. It was you know more of those things of can you believe he said that? I wish I could say that kind of thing because I, I okay another side note this 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 is the shiny shiny show I guess today in the midst of me being at this job where well, they didn't require a suit and tie or anything, but it was it was when I say corporate I mean you do things for fake reasons. 
Okay, we want everybody to come into the office, and you have to wear slacks and a button-up shirt. This wasn't necessarily what they said, but this is a stupid thing for a stupid reason. And you go, why? Because I never, literally, never see the public. We only see each other, and we're making reports on the computer, and we barely even talk to people on the phone. Why do I have to dress up and wear something nice? That that's corporate to me. It's stupid things for stupid reasons. If you go, oh, because we're gonna we're gonna once a month take pictures, and I don't know. I mean, if you come up with a reason of what you're gonna be showing off to the public, fine. But this place, we in my department, I get to wear jeans and a t-shirt, but I couldn't wear shorts even in the summertime. And that even then, I was like, why not? Nobody sees us. We see each other. That's it. Why can't we wear shorts? I, I don't understand. It's hot up here. We're in the second floor of a building that's not very well air-conditioned with about 40 computers in our department. Anyway, during that time, here's the story I wanted to tell. I got pulled into the office for a very stupid complaint. I don't remember what the complaint was. I think it was from a doctor. And they're like, oh, he didn't do this. So they they made a big deal of it, right? They tried to pull me in the office. And I had all the paperwork to back me up. I was like, nope, it's right there in the notes. There's where I called him. Here's the log. Here's I did. And they still tried to fuss at me. Said, I had these big army boots on because I was riding my motorcycle that day. And I pointed at my shoes because also those are my paramedic boots. I also wore them on the ambulance. I'm like, see these boots? I was wearing these when I walked into this building looking for a job. I can wear these and walk right out and go get on an ambulance. Is that what I need to do today? And, of course, this is by the shut door, so nobody really knows I said it until later when I told some friends of mine. But the boss was like, nope, we're all good, man. <laughs> like, so how am I not to rock out of podcasting? I knew I had all the cards in my hand. They needed me way more than I needed them, or way at least as much as I think I needed them. And they were trying to stupid shit. I just wouldn't put up with it. And I just flat out put the cards on the table. Do I, I, I can grab my stuff and leave today. And by this afternoon, I'll be on an ambulance making some money. It won't be this kind of money, but I don't have to put up with your shit is what I'm saying. And it, it worked. That's all I can tell you. So we're getting to the whole, how do you know you're successful? You have to know the background. You really have to grind first. You have to spin your wheels. You have to know what failure is like. Ah, maybe that's not true because I really hate when people say, well, you don't know if you haven't done this. No, I can look at, I can, Reuben sandwiches. This was a great story told to me by somebody else. We're talking about uh, homosexuality and there was a discussion for a podcast. And I can't remember what the question was. I asked this guy, but he said he had nothing against uh, gay people. You know, he's like, and this is, that's important to clarify because this is in a, a field of, and you know, firefighter, paramedic, all that. It's, it, especially in the deep South, it is a boys club. They, they they call each other bad names all the time in jest and in fun. Women are hard put to get in and break into those fields in the South. Not that they're not there. Obviously, they are. But I'm going to tell you the struggle is real from watching it. So having a guy sit in a firehouse doing it, I'm interviewing him. We're just talking on the, the recording. And I asked him about it for him to go, you know, you know, homosexuals are fine and this and that and the other. And I think, you know, my off sense of humor is, uh, I said, I don't know, I said something about him being gay or, or trying to be gay or something like that. He goes, some people will say, you know, oh, you, you don't know if you don't like it till you try it. He goes, but that's not exactly true. I can look at a Reuben sandwich and I can see what makes up a Reuben sandwich and I can go, 
Now, I can see where people like that, but that's not for me. I don't have to try it to know I don't like it. I can see the parts of it. I don't need it because I don't need to kiss another mustache to know I don't like mustaches when I kiss. <laughs> like, all right, fair point. So when I say you have to have failure, that's that's not exactly true. What What I am saying is how do you know the difference? Well, experience. Experience definitely shows you difference in things. So I spun my wheels in music. I spun my wheels in the early days of podcasting, trying everything. And I mean everything. Just, oh, if this popped up, I'm going to chase it. If this popped up, I'm going to chase it with no direct goal, no focus, no nowhere other than without having these words at the time. Knowing The focus was one day I'm going to be the rock god of podcasting. And so I acted like I was then. And I gave myself the title then. And we'll get to that. But Dave Jackson, Dave Jackson, good friend of mine. He started a school of podcasting. He wanted to teach people how to podcast. So he was always learning new stuff. Always, that was a good focus. Brian Ibbett, uh, one of my partners in Giant Size Team Up Network and a good friend of mine now. When he started, he wanted to do cover songs. And he started a show called Coverville and was very good at it. And he's so knowledgeable with music and he's got a great personality. And he focused. My first show was just kind of random comedy. My second show was just kind of random topics of discussion. My third show was called Bear Crawling. It, well, that one became about me. But it was, I couldn't tell you what it was about necessarily. It was me dealing with my stuff, my shit, my baggage, my demons. And I sat down and started talking to the wall about, I feel alone in the world and here's why. Here's, the, here's how I see it and how come nobody else sees it this way or here's what I'm going through family issues and i gotta tell you i do regret losing some of those episodes because there's an episode literally the day my parents and i became estranged it, it was a huge deal of course in my life and things going on i was just set, trying to make boundaries for myself and, and say no you gotta respect me. i'm asking for respect and not getting it and so the day it blew up i came home texted my partner at the time you know my co-host and said we're gonna fire up it, it basically my my parents disowned me today and he's like are you sure i'm like shut the fuck up and get the microphone on <laughs> and two hours something later of crying and screaming and fussing that was all recorded and it was all put out on the internet as a show every last bit of it but that was what bear crawling was the heart of was me dealing with life dealing with my damage growing up Working on those things. But again, no direct focus, no niche other than someday. I know, I know I'm destined for greatness. I can't put it into words. This is then. Can't put it into words. I just know this is exactly what's right for me more than anything else in this world. I knew as soon as I met my wife, I knew that uh, I didn't know she was the one right the second I met her. But I knew there was something about her, something super special, not just a girl to go out with. And very quickly, we got engaged six months in, but way before we finally got engaged, we knew this was it. We were, we were good. So I knew that about podcasting. Still, grinded, grind. Man, I've worked so hard. And at one point, I've had people, and I never felt this to be true, to be honest, but I have had people say I was the hardest working person in podcasting. And there's certain things people see about me that I don't see about myself, but I do see about other people. So I'll take it, I guess. And I've learned to say, all right, you know, whatever you, however you see me is the reality that is. So if you, as a person, tell, keep telling me, oh, I know you're busy. I know you're busy. But, you know, thank you for sharing your time. I know you're busy. I don't want to bother you. Well, guess what? To you, I'm always going to be busy and you're never going to 
be a close friend or a confidant or a colleague because I'm always busy to you. And that's fine. That's your own reality. That's what you define. I tend to try to be open to what flows. Coming back to focus and success. So all that being said, you got the point. I, I, I learned what grinding was. The couple weeks ago, I was home on a Saturday night. So here's my life currently. And as it moves more and more towards really living the, the rock God dream of, of the best way to explain the rock God dream, by the way, is entourage. I, I dig this show. It's not a great show. I'm not saying it's the best show ever. I dug it. I liked it because I learn from everything that I touch. I try to learn from everything that I see. I try to learn. I've learned so much about life from the matrix. I, I shit you not. It changed my world. I saw it on opening night by accident. And that's a whole nother story. Uh, but I saw matrix opening night. It changed my reality. It changed my vision of reality. I, so when I watched entourage, I got a better picture of what I wanted in life. And what I saw in that show was this actor, Vinny Chase, right? He makes it. He's he's starting to be successful. He's not the huge, you know, Robert De Niro actor, but he is that standard character of of the actors and actresses we see now where they get Daisy Ridley being a good example from Star Wars. All of a sudden she got the right role and she showed the world that she'd been working to show the world how good she was and what she did. And now all of a sudden, man, she's the hot property, right? She's going to be the hot property. She's obviously in the next Star Wars. And I'm sure that people are trying to court her now for other projects and different things like that. Uh, the, the girl who played Hermione, I can't think of her name. But as soon as Harry Potter was over, she was the hot property. She was in a bunch of different movies that I didn't care to go see. I have no idea what they're about because I saw the commercials. Like, yeah, to me, that's just a movie because she's in it. So you get this guy, Vinny Chase, who, who that happened, where obviously he'd been working and working and working. He hit that hot property moment. The world knows who he is. And he's managing that, and he's managing everything else. But what I saw, too, was he worked hard at what he loved to do. So for no definitive amount of time, so I'm making it up, for six months, he's working hard on the movie, right? He's studying his role. He's putting his heart into acting, and they're showing some of the stuff he goes through with the movies and the, the generic situations of, of what can go wrong and blah, 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 and the people you deal with. And he's working, but then when it's done, Right, he's making the paycheck and he gets the big payout. And when it's done, I mean, he's doing art films, he's doing blockbuster films, he's doing different things. But when he's done, man, he's he bought the house he wanted to have. He's sitting around and having parties, and that's awesome. And and by parties, I mean people you like to have around. Not his were standard parties, but mine would be people I want to have around. He gets to to play his Xbox whenever the hell he wanted to. What are you going to do today? I don't know. Let's go buy a car. You know, he got to do what he wanted to do. My life would be different, but that's what I took from Entourage. That's the rock God dream is to be able to know no matter what I'm doing. If I'm sitting here on the microphone, I'm earning money. Money is freedom. You need to know that about me. Money is freedom. Yes, I want to be filthy fucking rich. Not because I want to be rich and own the world, but because more money is more freedom. I want to know. I got it today, and I've got my shows to do, and that's awesome. I want to know that I get up tomorrow, and I can take my, my family on a, a educational trip, on a fun trip. I want to know that I can get up the next day, and something has happened in the world that they need help, and I can write a check that will help them. You know, the water thing going on in the U.S., uh, Michigan, I think it was, Flint, Michigan, I think it is, 
or was, I'm not sure what the situation is now, to be able to go, what can I do to help? Do I need? Do you need a check? Do you need water? Do you need me to come and do a, a TV spot that'll get more awareness? What do you need? That's freedom, right? To change the world, to live your life. And that's what I want. That's the dream. So I always knew that was a dream, and I always knew I would get that dream, and I'm very close to that now. But the other night, being close to the dream, I don't have a working-for-the-man job anymore. I work for myself, and I contract, and I host trivia, and I host some karaoke through a company that does contracting, so I'm an agent with them, and I go out and do that. I drive for Lyft from time to time, which is something you should look at if you are you need a, a ride share. Nothing wrong with Uber. I've used Uber. They're great, but I'm going to tell you, I love Lyft. I love working with them, and I love everything about their energy and how they run their company. And then I do a Sunday gig that I truly love. I truly love being a part of that I was a part of before they ever paid me. I was a part of uh, this, this well, it was a church. Now it's a community movement, but it was a church. I, I went there because it resonated. It was home and I got involved to help them out because that's what I do when they needed it. When they finally they didn't need me for a while and I didn't work all the time when I started getting involved. But now I'm there and I love what I do and it pays me and it pays me well. And I appreciate that. And then I do all the podcasting stuff. That's my life. So it's very, we don't know what's going to happen next month. We, it, it's very, it's very much that rock star lifestyle without the extra money and fame. Because at any point in time, your star can fade as a rock star, as a movie star. You're just not getting those projects anymore. You had a bad day and everything went away. You know, you had a bad movie, blah, blah, whatever. And that's kind of how it is. My trivia gigs, I can count on them until I can't count on them anymore. It's like all of a sudden, oh, well, they're not going to do it anymore. Sorry. That's life. But the way it builds up is every weekend I'm doing something all weekend long. Friday nights, I'm usually out driving Lyft, getting people to and from and helping them be awesome. And it's fun. Saturday during the day, I'm home. But Saturday evening, like last night, or this is we record on Sundays typically. So this is my literal last night was Saturday night for me at 6 PM. I left the house and I, I didn't get in until about two 30 Friday night. And, you know, I spent a nice easy day at home with the kids on Saturday, but 6 PM, I left the house. I go host trivia for two hours and it's a fun show. And uh, Mike's going to love this part. So the reason I throw it in is the music I do. There's all hair metal. The crowd loves it. They've requested it because I started off going, hey, if you want a song, you want me to play a song, let me know. And it's just turned into the only people requesting songs were the regulars, and they all wanted hair metal. So it's now hair metal Saturdays, the whole trivia. Now, the questions aren't built around that, of course, but all the music is hair metal, and I love it. And I just put on this great show, and it's so much fun, and that's two hours. And then I pack up my gear, put it in my car, drive 45 minutes up the road, up in the North Atlanta, and go host karaoke and again that's such a fun game it's a whole different game than trivia it's such a that's more of a rock star on the mic personality thing man that is so much fun when people get into karaoke but i do that until 1 o'clock in the morning and then i come home and i have to wind down and then get in bed i'm not home till almost three or i do that to about one between 1 30 and 2 i get to leave so i'm home around 2 30 2 45 and then I wind down. I'm usually in bed by 3.30 a.m. Two major gigs, lots of energy. Did that. Then I get up Sunday morning and go do my Sunday morning gig, which is four hours. And there's not being on. It's not being the personality. It's all tech stuff. 
but it's still tiring. Then I come home Sunday afternoon. It happens to be the time that we have to record different episodes of different shows. So then I'm on the microphone Sunday afternoons. But I was on the end of a Saturday night, and I was sitting there, and I read a book a long, long time ago called Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. And in that, he talks about doing your daily job. You know, at the, For him, it was working in the family wine store. You're doing your, your 40-hour work week job. But then at night, getting in, and whatever it is that is your passion. For him, it was social media. For Gary, it was social media, and especially at the time with everything being new, learning how it worked learning all the insides and outs and getting into communities. And he wrote this book that's very handy and it's still stands today. Some of the information obviously is outdated for specific social media sites, but he mostly gave theory and experience and all that stands. Here's how you build an audience. Here's how you you know, connect with the world is basically what he was saying. And, but he talked about doing your daily job and then being up until two, three o'clock in the morning, working what you love. And essentially working two full-time jobs and sacrificing sleep. And, and you still have to get family time. You still have to do you know, your obligations, this, that, and the other. But that's how you crush it. And I remember reading that going, am I crushing it? I'm not sure. Which, of course, crush it is being successful versus just grinding. And, and it did change how I did things because I do realize at the time that I read it, I was trying everything I could try. I was spinning so many wheels in podcasting that I didn't have a focus and I didn't have a direction. So the other night I realized, man, this is what crushing it feels like because I feel very successful right now. I feel great about what I'm doing. At no point do I say, oh man, I've got this weird lifestyle. Uh, oh man, I work so hard. I'm so tired. And I was like, no, this is, this is what it feels like to really work that dream because my entire focus of my energy is the podcast stuff. It's success freaks on Tuesday mornings. It's the giant size team up, which is multiple times a week now. And it's of course the rock out of podcasting. It's, it's this stuff that I do. It's all podcasting all the time. It's all network stuff. It's all my business there. And I, as I, my network is my business. It's not generating that much income, but that's not my measure of what a business is. And that's not my measure of success. My measure of success is my bills are being paid doing what I want to do, not what I have to do. I had a have to job and I ended up leaving it because it made me miserable, but I made sure my wife was happy. She felt safe and doing karaoke and trivia on the surface. And there are nights that it absolutely feels this way of, oh my God, I'm doing this stupid thing that nobody cares about. And that's kind of the joke in some of, of TV or whatever movies with karaoke is is the rundown bar with one drunk person singing horribly and it's just kind of miserable. I've had a few of those situations, but I can tell you, as long as the audience is willing to work with me, willing to play with me, it turns into a party. And it's it's that's my thing, entertaining on the microphone all the time. My voice and my energy is what is bringing in money and everything that I do now. And that's fucking successful. That's moving it forward. I can't scale trivia and karaoke, but that right now is still just a bridge to where the network can support me. And so sitting there at 2.30 in the morning, grabbing a snack, getting ready to watch, uh, it's probably going to watch Arrow or Flash because that's when I still catch up on my shows because I need to stay up on it for my comic book network. And I love it too. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it's like, hey, 
while I'm winding down, I can still do some work on my podcast. And that's watching the show and probably playing a game at the same time, <laughs> more than likely. I don't remember, but I remember that moment. And that's when I texted Mike and said, we should talk about this at some point. How do you know the difference? The biggest difference is how everybody is around me. I told you that long story of where I came from and what I'm doing so you can see my mindset and a fraction of my perspective on my life and how I know where success is right now. I didn't mention the second bankruptcy that I went through with my family, you know, with kids old enough to know what was going on and losing that house. That was a tragedy, but that's something else that we're going to talk about that was needed to happen and blah, blah, blah. Feeling unsuccessful, hitting the bottom there. But in this grind where I could easily go, God, man, Friday night. I mean, there's been days where I got up Saturday morning, worked a gig, came home, took a nap, got up, ate dinner, and went and did two more gigs that evening, trivia and karaoke, then got up Sunday morning, you know, that there, and then did a gig Sunday night, and then did a gig Monday night. You know, there's been those times, and yeah, it can be physically exhausting. And I could sit there. I felt like in that moment, I realized I could sit here and complain, but there's nothing for me to complain about here. This is crushing it. This is how to know you're being successful. It's because it felt good. As tired as I was, and I'm tired now. I, mean, I could probably be sleeping instead of talking to the microphone, but I'm addicted to my own voice. So what can I say? Um, <laughs> but it's it's doing what I love. It's successful. And the one last thing I want to say about knowing about being successful is how my family responds, how my wife's family responds, how my parents respond, how the people around me. Anytime you ask me, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a podcaster. I run a network about comic books called Giant Size Team Up Network. And boom, I'll go from there. That's what I do. How do I make some money? Oh, I do this. And, I, and it does. It supplements. The trivia and karaoke supplement. The lift supplements. At some point, the church gig, if I had money, I, I wouldn't even need them to pay me. The only reason I need them to pay me is because I need to pay some bills. I would still give them my time if I could. I do all that. My wife's happy. She sees the bills are getting paid. She doesn't fully understand the schedule. Nobody does because it's kind of hit and miss. But I got to tell you, she's happy my kids are happy. They see that I'm happy. We are managing life. We are doing well. And I don't mean well financially. I don't mean, you know, tons of stuff. I mean, truly well. We have zero complaints about our life, about where we are. We find good things every day. And one last story, I keep trying to get back to how my wife responds. There was a point in time in that whole story I told you, I built a bear crawling nation where I had eight shows and 12 hosts on this grassroots network. But the problem there was I did everything for everybody. I literally did. I managed all the websites. I edited shows. If you didn't know how to edit, I was guesting on pretty much every show uh, regularly to help them with content. It was a back asswards way of doing things. Shark Tank says, you don't need my money. You need me to work in your business and I'm too busy to work in your business. That's what I was doing then. My mistake was I was working in their podcasts for them. That changed. But the reason it went away for two things, Adam Curry, who helped found podcasting, his people discovered me. We discovered each other and I was bringing a show to their network. And then we negotiated to bring the entire bear crawling nation to their network. And then they hired me to be the A&R guy for two years so to go out and find more talent because I showed I could find good talent. I showed I could find good content 
that would match what was going on. So they basically uh, absorbed the bear crawling nation. And I was, I was happy to do it because at that point in time, my wife was pushing me saying, pick one because we, it was just stressful. It was, I, it was sacrificing them. That's not success. We was like, oh, you know, I, God damn, man. I watched too many interviews with entrepreneurs. But I see, I, I love watching The Prophet, and I see Marcus Latronis go in, and he's talking to a man and wife running a business. And you can see the stress on their face and the the hardship on their face. And he says, oh, you know, it looks like you've had to sacrifice a lot. And they're in tears. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we sacrifice. We haven't been on a vacation in six years. I'm, I'm not mocking them. I'm t- talking about how they do it. They haven't been on a vacation in six years. There's there's no family time. There's bills that are behind. Their, their life savings gone because it went to this business. That's not daddy. That is not their rock out of podcasting at all. <clears throat> sacrifice never actually comes into play. I sacrificed before when I was spinning wheels. And that was when my wife asked me to pick one because it was a pull. It was, well, you know, baby, I'm building our future and I'm going to spend all this time building our future. And she's like, what are you talking about? What future? I don't see where this is going because I didn't see where it was going. It wasn't going anywhere to now. And I'm talking about the whole network went away. I picked one show as a success freaks. All my other shows went away. I focused on that for a while and slowly but surely, you know, I got into one other show. I got into From the Helicarrier because I was laid off and I was playing a video game. And I found that as much as I wanted to provide for my family and wanted to do the right thing and searched, was supposed to be searching for jobs, I found that I wanted to play this game more and more. And I thought to myself, well, I better make a job out of this. I better make a show that makes some money off of playing this game so I can justify it to my wife and myself. Otherwise, I want to get a divorce because I, that's what would be right. You know, she would leave my ass because I was a lazy bum. Uh, and honestly, I, I turned it into a show that made some money, but more importantly, made some really great connections that really moved the dream forward. And that, that was very, very important. She accepted that. So I had two shows and we're, it was doing fine. And I, I built it. I talked to her the whole way and I built it to where everything was in one spot. Tuesday show day. One day a week, I work on two different shows, and that's it. Every rest of the time is is regular work and, you know, with the family. That's how it works, or how it did work. And then as the right thing came along, as the business grew, as things got better, and myself and my partner started talking about we really need a network, I started talking to her about it. And she saw the future. She saw the actual clear plan. What plan we could have that early on of where this could go. And we set down some boundaries of time. We set down some boundaries of, of money. You know, and, and that was the thing too. Once I started getting paid for podcasting after about nine years, eight to nine years of working out hard and having no hope of income, that changed the ball game too for her. Now, quite literally, Mike, you asked me, how do you know when you're grinding versus being successful is literally now my bills are paid. Everything's happy. I'm happy. She's happy. We're happy. And I can go, Hey, this is like, say, it's a Saturday. Hey, tomorrow I got a show. I want to do the church gig. You know, I'll be gone all night tonight. I'm going to get up in the morning, go do the church gig. I'm going to come home. I'm going to do that show. And then I'll have the night with you. Okay, cool. Oh, hey, I forgot to mention, we're recording a Breaking the Panel tonight. It's going to be at 6. I'm not sure how long it's going to be. Okay, good. Fine. Cool. And here's what happens. Here's what else happens is I get to spend more time with them. 
I have spent in the last couple of weeks of of really focusing on this network and really focusing on doing what makes me happy. I've been able to spend more time just sitting at the kitchen table, hanging out with the kids, getting in the car, going hanging out with my wife. You know, I told her the other day, I was like, I gotta stop hanging out with you because we'll spend six hours for oh, let's go run some errands, and then it'll turn into six to seven hours being out away from the house, and you're satisfied because I was with you doing your thing all day. I still gotta come home and edit some shit. I gotta go downstairs and work for uh, this guy that I, I do some work for online. I, it's like, goddamn woman, you taking up all my time, <laughs> which makes her happy. But that's that's how I know I'm being successful is when I do something that feels good and feels right and feels natural, and I look around at the response it has around me, and everyone seems to agree with it. My in-laws are now impressed a little bit with what I do, and for the first time ever, my father and I, who really only talk about movies, I mean, it's shallow conversation, okay, just shallow conversation, he actually really wanted to know what I was doing with the network and kept asking me questions the other night uh, for the first time ever, you know, and I've been doing podcasting for over 11 years now. I think going on 12 years now. So that's, that was that. So there's my answer. You'll feel it deep inside yourself. Even when you're tired, it feels like the right thing to do. You won't feel like sacrifices in, in air bunny bunny ears or sacrifices. You won't feel that you'll feel like everything is moving in the right direction. And the people you'll love, the people you want to be there when you're finally fully 100% successful We'll be right there with you the whole step of the way. Every, all right. And you'll realize the people you love, the people you want to be there when you're very successful, when you get to the goal, when you get to win, right? Because baseball teams, that's, I think sports is a great analogy here. Baseball teams win. That They still got another game the next day and another game the next day. And when the season's over, they got the next season. It's never over, but there's a win. And there's that moment of celebration. And the people that you want there at that moment of celebration, You'll look around and you'll realize they're with you every step of the way. 